Hey, my name's Louis, and welcome to. I'm just gonna go for it. Hey, I'm Louis, nutritionist and personal trainer, and it's my privilege to welcome you to Between Two Plates, the Strength Vitality podcast, where we discuss everything between gym plates and kitchen plates to do with fitness, nutrition, and mental health. This week in the Pick It Up, Put It Down isolation group, we were joined by David Thomas to discuss injury and pain management during isolation. David is a physiotherapist working with elite football teams, as well as completing 12-hour back-to-back shifts in an NHS hospital. The Pick It Up, Put It Down isolation group serves to bring professionals in their field to you to offer advice in navigating the challenges posed by social isolation. In this episode, you'll get tips for managing common injuries, where to go if you think you've picked up an injury, nutritional guidance for injury recovery, and some other knowledge bombs dropped by Mr. Thomas. Thank you again, and we really hope that you enjoy the podcast. David, thank you for coming today. You're a legend. You're helping lots of people out by even being here. Um, and whether people watch it now, we'll get lots of people that will watch it and listen to it after as well. Mm-hmm. So anything you say will be recorded forever. <laughs> I mean, and I'll be held accountable forever. <laughs> exactly that. Um, but if you wouldn't mind giving everyone listening or watching an introduction into what you do, people that might not know you, um, and then uh, actually also what you're doing for the rest of the week, which makes you more of a superstar, uh, <laughs> Thursday and onwards. And uh, what puts you in the position where you're able to be here now helping us? Um, so, yeah, obviously, thank you for having me along, Louis. Um, we've, we've known each other since we were, I don't know how old, young. Long time, yeah. Um, and I've always loved your content and the stuff that you bring out. And I absolutely love the group that you started. So good work on that, trying to help people out at the moment. Personally, uh, my background is I did a I did a BSc undergrad in sports science and then did a master's in physiotherapy. Since then I've worked with kind of one-on-one with quite a few different athletes. Um, I did karate and martial arts to quite a high level myself and then I've helped people kind of martial artists and stuff one-on-one. I've worked in semi-professional rugby clubs and I've then worked in the NHS, kind of as a way physio works as you work as a kind of rotational physiotherapist to start with. So you might be working on stroke wards or working with people, especially at the moment with respiratory conditions, that type of thing, clearing, clearing their airways, as well as just rehabbing them back, getting them out of bed, really simple things, as well as the kind of typical physio that people think of, like sport injuries, people coming to you as as an outpatient physio. Um, I then work in at Chelsea Football Club at the moment as a as an academy physiotherapist there, kind of sessional based physiotherapy there. So I've kind of got quite a quite a broad range of, of loads of stuff. At the moment with COVID, there's no outpatient physio stuff at hospitals. So we've all kind of been redeployed wherever you are as a physio at the moment, if you work for the NHS, you're suddenly doing anything they want you to do really at the moment so for the last week I've been doing I've been part of a team doing kind of this thing called proning which is essentially flipping people on ventilators onto their front so it's something that I wouldn't do at all but you just kind of got what's the what's the get your hands dirty I know it's a a little bit of a tangent but yeah what does that what what is the purpose of that so yeah it's it's something that's been used for respiratory conditions for a little while but not often at all i had never seen it i worked in intensive care for like six months prior to all this and it was occasionally used for a few things but it's just about kind of matching the perfusion from the the lungs to the to the bloodstream to try and get what's called the vq match so trying to get as much oxygen into the bloodstream and if you think about it a lot of people with covid are quite overweight and actually the position of being on their back means that their lungs become quite compressed and then the heart position as well is pressing down on the lungs so actually the evidence recent is really all recent everything with covid kind of we just have to adapt to what what we're finding works it's more kind of anecdotal compared to really study based but yeah flipping people on their front just suddenly seems to be getting everyone's oxygen saturations up and stuff so it's a massive treatment at the moment so yeah 
Wow, that's that is amazing. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you see? We we've spoken a, a, a lot about evidence and how that comes itself into practice. Mm. Do you think then that at the moment with COVID, it's fast tracking a lot of um, research into the area of respiration and stuff? Absolutely. I think not. I think not even in terms of uh, definitely in that in, in respiratory evidence and. But I find this whole period fascinating because it's speeding everything up. Even even my working pattern's gone from a nine to five, five day a week thing to within two weeks, suddenly working like three 12 hour shifts in a row uh, out of nowhere. That would no a change like that, if you think about it, would normally take years, months, people would be fighting back or supporting it and it would be copious meetings and it was suddenly like, no, this is what you're doing get on with it which i think is awesome because people have mobilized and just and, and are willing to do what whatever but change is so apparent at the moment and so quick which which you don't actually see very often right, okay it's bizarre and even even things like this you know i haven't done a lot of online content and suddenly i've i've tried to start up a facebook page to help people doing you know outpatient stuff as well the stuff we're going to talk about more today for, for months to be honest I was saying oh I need to I need to crack on and get on with that but but this situation's kind of forced my hand to go this is when it's needed right let's let's get cracking brilliant that's wicked has it has it affected do you think that people um who are currently seeing physios whether that be private or in the NHS have will people to expect actually they're not going to be able to get those treatments at the moment for the foreseeable future yeah so it, it's massively obviously people aren't getting one-on-one -on -one treatment stuff at the moment and physios have had to adapt i've seen you know, all over social media linkedin and stuff physios having to adapt and suddenly doing video calls or phone calls to treat which isn't massively ideal okay. but one of the things that i've always promoted as a physio and i'm sure we'll end up talking about today is actually i don't see my role as being particularly hands-on so I think it's super important to be hands-on maybe to assess somebody initially and try and find areas of weakness or tightness within their body. And you need to get, you need to get hands-on for that. But physio doesn't have to be done in that kind of one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face situation because we want to get people and it's the things we will talk about. We want to get people moving and kind of in control of their own treatment. You know, we're not, Physios, physios in the NHS aren't there to give you a massage. Whatever, whatever <laughs> people might, whatever people might think. Bugger. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, okay. So, David, I want to kick us off actually with a question that we got in, um, and I'm going to read it verbatim, missing names out. Um, I wonder if you and David might touch on the frustration of your body letting you down when you need it most. I'm currently struggling with sciatica. My wonderful physio is on the case and giving me strength and stretching exercises, but I'm struggling to be able mm. to exercise. And I'd like to get that fab endorphin rush um, and that good, hard, sweaty workout gives. What would you sort of come back to that with? I think you've got so sciatica is, excuse the pun, a real pain because um, it, it, it does tend to hit people recurrently and they'll get over about and then they'll, they'll come back to it. But I think... I think what we need to do at the moment is I completely agree that's that's so frustrating. But it's out it's out of your control. You if you've got good strategies to avoid the sciatica, and we're not going to go into massively what I would do to treat a sciatica. Um, but you know, spinal mobility, stretching, general stretching, all the rest of it. But you've got to find what is it that's causing you pain when you're exercising. So with the sciatica, I I know that there might be, you know, you might love running and that's probably going to cause you pain right now. But what, there, are, there will be solutions and there will be exercises that you can find that don't, that the sciatica is not the limiting factor. So it's probably, right, let's get your sweat on. And people like you, you know, people who work more in the, the exercise world, I'm sure have got a load of exercises that will get people sweating and moving without having to do a lot of, lower body stuff that cause cause that sciatic pain or flare up the sciatic pain so will that sciatic pain be um will there be things across individuals that is consistent um and and if so then are you also saying that that endorphin rush 
which might be attributed, for example, in a runner, is not um, only to be found in that activity of running. It, the positive is that people can find that endorphin rush perhaps in exercises that don't have that causal effect that triggers their sciatica. Yeah, exa exactly that. And it's everyone is different. There is there is kind of a, a common thing that you a pattern that you would expect, but with any injury, it, it's definitely down to the individual. So that yes, I would expect certain things running, anything impacty, jumping, a lot of aggressive bending and moving is probably going to flare up your sciatica. But some people might be very very variable on that. You know, the the stuff that I would normally recommend for somebody with sciatic pain is everything low impact. Swimming, getting in the pool, getting on the bike. Obviously, I'm not going to recommend to people right now jump in a swimming pool. But <laughs> it, people tend to find that they can do more upper body work. So whether it's even seated stuff, getting some weights out, punching work, okay. anything you can think of, finer things. And it, and that's that's kind of the responsibility of of the patient, really, because I can predict maybe that might hurt, but I can never tell you what hurts and what doesn't hurt. That, that's completely will, um, individualistic. If, you, if there was, for example, something that someone found mm -hmm. fine, are there things that, if an exercise was uh, in, uh, triggered the sciatic pain, would someone be aware mm -hmm. of that acutely and straight away? Or are there signs to sort of be aware of when you're exercising that might be indicative of pain coming in further down the line? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point. So with a lot of my work as well, it's trial and error, but trying to minimize the error. Yeah. So with the with sciatic pain, for example, it, it's normally quite acute, quite burny, quite sharp, and you will notice it straight away. You're doing a movement and you think, that that's all, I've got to stick away from that straight away. However, also being aware, let's say, okay, we go for a workout and we think, let's focus on just moving your shoulders and your arms pretty much. And we're going to stick away from doing any jumping or running kind of movement. Once you, th once you find something that's pain-free during that session, don't overdo it on your first one. I think that's what people do. They go, oh, okay, this is fine. I want my endorphin rush. This movement feels good. And then they bosh out three hours of doing it. And then, and then the next day you're in a shed load of pain. You don't know where along that continuum that has fled. So let's find something that's pain-free while you're doing it and, and, and slowly build up to getting that endorphin okay, rush. You cool. might have to do it for five minutes and then just go, okay, that's enough for today. Let's see how I respond to that because we can never truly predict. And what, yeah, what I tend to find people do is they go into an activity and they think, because it's fine with, with it and they're not getting any signs of tightness or anything they think, actually yeah, yeah it's all good but just just build it up slowly because otherwise you might be in a whole heap of problems and then you're scared of that activity and you go oh well actually that punching i did for three hours was the cause of my asatica and it might be something a lot smaller than that wicked that is such a good point that's such a, and, and you've spoken about that before the idea that mental um, relationship with the pain and how important mm. if you um if someone did have um, like something like sciatica or was looking for some non-impact based work is there any way you'd recommend them to go to, to look for so now like re or online resources for them to go to look at for exercises that might be suitable yeah so I think a lot of the stuff so if, are we talking about sciatica specifically uh, yeah or if we could extend yeah. that to other sort of general injuries yeah so I think let, let, if, we, if we look at maybe kind of sciatica normally there's a there's a range of places it can kind of originate from normally due to the lumbar spine some kind of neural trapping it could be there it can be in a few other places um <clears throat> a lot of the stuff i would recommend for those types of injuries is your floor-based exercises your gentle pilates yoga Brilliant. building a good core and there are a lot of there are a really load of good resources Wicked. I wouldn't say you need to stick to physio stuff. I think any good Pilates instructor or yoga instructors, and I'm sure you've got fantastic links to all of those types of people as well. Can they're, they're the types of things you want to do. There's something where at all points you've kind of got 
some kind of contact with the ground. Let's not get let's okay. not get jumping, and let's encourage lumbar movement and spinal movement as well. That's right. okay, fantastic. That is, does that answer you? That's that's a great answer. Yeah, I yeah. Appreciate that we're we're talking about things that are very sort of specific to the individual. Mm. Um, so this question then extended to, and I'll, I'll get you to start on this, David, and I'll I'll jump in afterwards. Um, what is the value of good nutrition and hydration as well as sleep on a positive mental outlook along with physio? So I guess that question sort of touches for you with, um, with physio and, uh, and also understanding that people are obviously with physio going through lots of different stages of meditation. Mm -hmm. How important as a practitioner yourself do you think that nutrition, uh, let's stick with nutrition as sort of a broad area, is mm -hmm. and a mental outlook in supporting uh, the physio the physio benefits okay so i think nutrition yeah as you know a heap low more about nutrition than i do but i think there's a there's a massive overlap because i'm i think we've spoken about this in the past if somebody doesn't have their nutrition even vaguely down if they're eating mcdonald's every night and and they're eating rubbish food all the time I know as a physio that they're probably not going to get their rehab particularly down. They're not going to necessarily do the things I want them to do. Uh, you know, and sometimes I might therefore have to be a bit more simple with, with what I give those people. Um, because, yeah, optimum nutrition is, is what we might aspire to. And that's what the work I do with the professional footballers. Okay, they're getting optimum, optimum nutrition. I'm not going to get involved with that side of things, but I can give really simple nutrition advice to people getting, you know, generally getting your calories right, getting your protein targets in. I'm not going to go massively more into nutrition for, for your everyday person because, because they don't need to be optimizing nutrition. You know, that, it, that might, if they have the perfect nutrition for them, it might help them a couple of days quicker returning back from injury. But actually, it's more about that holistic picture. So, so I think, I think as as we've talked about, you know, get their general, get them on board with with rehab. If they're on board with looking after themselves, they're going to think about the whole picture. That's a great. That is a super super point, and mm. that's what I was. I love that you said that because when I saw this question, I was thinking actually. If, if we're totally honest about this, nutrition, and I'll go into this, is it can be a huge part of, of getting your recovery right. Mm. There's a huge part that we don't talk about, and it touches on some of the stuff that Zoe was talking about last week as well, that really, let's sort of take a wider perspective of it. So someone who is, um, someone who perhaps is less on it, should we say, with their nutrition, might show where they're at in terms of a state of readiness to 100%. do the things you're setting them to help manage an injury. 100%. And then the second thing would be, and this touches on the mental health, like we were talking about last week, is if someone, for example, is, um, if you give them the most basic of sort of things, which might be basic on the surface, like, right, we want you to have a piece of broccoli every day. That's it. Like one, literally like a thumb yeah. worth of broccoli every day. Well, nutritionally, physiologically, that might not be doing loads within the, the human body to facilitate an injury but or the recovery from an injury but what you've done if that person can adhere to that that as what they're doing every single day is affirming their self-value they're taking a self-investment every day and affirming that i am valuable i deserve this recovery mm. it's worth investing that time in myself and taking yourself into that mental space i'm sure is advantageous for supporting an injury and it and it begins to sort of re-gear that person's mind into becoming more health-seeking in general and then yeah. once someone is more health-seeking loads of things that are immeasurable begin to fall into place which not only help with the injury progression but many facets of their life so while it's fantastic to, to get into the nuances of all of these things actually by taking the smallest investment whatever that might be for that mm. whatever tool that might be yeah. Yeah. that can just be so instrumental and expansive without yeah. getting into the nuances of what it actually does physiologically. No, I, I 100% agree. I think when I qualified as a physio, I didn't realise I was going to end up being a psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, so so let, let's present exactly the same physiology. Somebody's had a fractured ankle. The fracture's in the same place. 
and, and I'll give you real life examples. I'll keep them completely confidential. But let's say we've got a fractured ankle, two people, one person's a young 20 year old, sporty, good nutrition, um, confident, good job, all the rest of it. The other person's not even that much older, but you know, mid thirties. However, they have got a fractured ankle and they are overweight. They, and again, this is, this is a real example, but somebody who's got like a disabled daughter and has to look after them, doesn't have a job because they've lost their job because suddenly they're walking on crutches. You know, this other person as a student doesn't have to worry about that. They can sit and do their work. This person suddenly lost all their income. That's the same physiology. It's the same injury, but now the pain response is going to be massively heightened in this person here where the injury suddenly affects them a lot more yeah, Wow! than this person here who's got the same problem. Even the pain, even the pain. As a yeah, wow. So what, what's something that has a lot of pain science, and I'm not an expert in pain science, but the receptors within the body can be sensitized. The central nervous system can be sensitized. The neurons in the brain can be sensitized. To pain think about think about um as a kid you've you've fallen over and you've grazed your elbow and you you kind of go oh that hurt and then you just get on you're playing your football but then you look at the elbow and it's bleeding then suddenly that's when the kid starts crying there's a psychological response there's a central nervous system response to that a hormonal response and chronically over time if people have an injury that really affects their life, then there's a chronic adaptation within the central nervous system where suddenly they are experience a higher level pain. Wow. And the thing, the thing I would do with, and a physio doesn't really need to almost, almost put myself down here. I don't need to know that much about the injury sometimes, but I need to take those two people. Yeah, I've got this young, young person who's, you know, aware of their body. They know about, exercise and fitness and they I can give them probably a shed load of things to do take this home take this home take this home and I know they do it they're going to get on with it they want to get back to playing football rugby whatever it is with this person I can't try and sell them a thousand and one exercises to go and do as you said with the whole the broccoli analogy this is one simple thing that you can do that will reduce your pain and suddenly that gets them on board with rehabilitation if I do that right suddenly that they are going to start looking after themselves and they see that one difference can make a small thing. And I'm, I'm going to use this example of a, of a woman who came in with this, that, that scenario that I was talking about. And one session with me, she just, she just cried for half an hour. Not because I'm that bad a physio, but just, <laughs> she, just she just cried um, because of the effect this injury was having on her life. And it was actually really important for me just to sit there and listen to it. I could have gone, oh, this isn't important. I'll explain to you what a fracture is and you'll be all right because it'll heal. And I've got to go, no, these, these are important things that you're bringing up. I can see how this is affecting your life. Get that trust and then say to her, start with this. Then the next week she goes, okay, maybe he kind of knows what he's talking about. And in this real life example, it was then about getting this woman, I've completely gone off track, but it was then getting this woman, planting a few seeds of, okay, you are also overweight, which is going to be causing you a little bit more pain, saying that in a very polite manner. But have you thought about following these people on nutrition? Oh, okay. And, you know, five, six months down the line, okay, I've already lost this, this guy. He's back to playing football. I don't need to worry about him. But the same injury here, five, six months down the line, I'm still seeing this person. But suddenly they've lost weight. They've, be, they've, they've become more invested in listening to nutritional advice. And they've, they're going to the gym five times a week and they, they've improved much, like every aspect of their life. Brilliant. That, I mean, that's why I love my job because we actually do have the power to do that. And I'm sure it's the same with you and nutrition, exactly the same. It is, but I, the way you talk about it is just, it's absolutely fascinating. And the way that you're taking such a, um, the way that you're taking such a uh, holistic approach to it and, and being willing to put almost the years and years that you've put into studying and being like, oh God, I'll put that on the shelf. But now I recognize yeah. that actually I can just be a set of ears right now. And it's hot, and you yeah. have to be quite humbling to do that because you're like, well, I know all this stuff I want to tell you. Yeah. yeah nobody gives, nobody gives it about whether you can, 
whether you can explain the the physiology of a really complicated process and give them loads of numbers and statistics right. and research papers they don't they want to know what what one thing can i take away from your session that's going to help me they don't want to know how clever you are or what what degrees you have or really it's important to have that knowledge you can't you can't tell them the right things without that knowledge but yeah you're right and i'm sure with nutrition the same you, you know people probably unless unless they've already got a nice background knowledge don't want to know about the amino acid profile of a chicken breast um <laughs> they just want you to to give them some simple tips <laughs> there's i mean <laughs> Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for delicately leading me in with that. Um, I'll, I'll really touch on the nutrition of, of recovery. Um, this might actually be something to do a talk on in of itself at a later date, but I wanted to sort of touch on some points that would be actionable. Um, and if anyone wants to ask me about these particulars um, afterwards, please do ask and I'd be happy to get you back on them. I've also seen some of the questions that have come in. Don't worry, I've seen them. Uh, we'll mm. answer them. Uh, the, so firstly, right now, we're approaching summer so the timeline of uh, of what you'd likely see in a year is often people now out of this current scenario are looking to they're thinking about getting on holiday they might be thinking about the fact that they're going to be um wearing less clothes so what tends to be generically is people thinking about losing weight and reducing body fat now because we're talking about injuries at the moment dieting probably isn't the best call right now because we know that if you are not eating enough uh, calories, it can influence the um, the effectiveness of your recovery from, it, from an injury. Now, I will sort of caveat that by, by saying not eating enough, because at the same time, there is also the realization that depending on the injury, actually our output might be reduced. So for example, if someone's broken both legs, <laughs> they probably aren't <laughs> going to be needing the same amount of calories as they were having when they hadn't broken both legs, especially if they were an endurance athlete doing six hours on a bike a day. So there's an individual level there. But, yeah. but even if we're talking about sort of general population, we know that 15 to even 50% of energy demands can increase in certain areas in just a recovery phase. So that's physiological recovery. And that's also accounting for if, you are, um, if you've been injured in a way that's changed your movement patterns, like if you're using crutches now, that can actually increase your mm. energy demands. So mm. it, it's, it's actually quite a hard thing to sort of advise what we should be doing calorically in, during an injury. But I would say that sort of the first thing is to, not be, to, to pay attention to the measurements. So you want to really be maintaining. Um, and mm. if you do a circumferential measurement, uh, it's a really good indicator of, of body fat. And you can do that around like your stomach, your waist. Uh, you can take weight as a measurement as provided you understand the fluctuations and the things that will influence weight. Um, and then uh, as well as that, it's, it's listening to your internal cues of your hunger. Um, if, you're, if you're a health seeking individual, generally, you're going to be quite sensitive to when you're hungry and when you're not. But if you exercise regularly, exercise might be one of the tools that you use to tell you when you're hungry. So as an athlete, if, if you're an athlete watching this and, and you're going through a period of injury, then you need to be mindful of the fact that actually you should be trusting those internal cues, but also just really paying attention to, well, I'm trusting my internal cues, but I'm eating 20% of the food I was having before, then perhaps actually there's a discrepancy between how much you need to be eating and how much you are eating. Mm. Um, the, uh, we know that it's important that your immune system is right now is functioning well, <laughs> let alone when you're going through a period of recovery. And that's an, mm. another argument why I put that, reducing body fat right now probably isn't an ideal um, thing to be doing it, except from the case of like you said if someone has an injury where literally being lighter might help with that injury recovery for example someone who is overweight and has a damaged ankle and is still having to move mm. around that might be helpful um yeah. the so yeah as i said under eating could be an issue now getting into some slightly more nuanced elements of nutrition creatine might be a, a supplement to take especially for those that are worried about losing muscle mass we know that creatine especially when you get back into your recovery having saturated levels of creatine might promote um, muscle growth uh, in fact there's also i'm pretty sure there's some literature to show that um, creatine supplementation helps with the recovery of like tendinopathy as well mm. Yeah. inflammation is something to be really careful of and i know that you'll probably be aware of this inflammation gets put on this sort of marker of inflammation is bad but we know that especially acutely it's really important for that recovery mm. process so taking yeah. lots of 
anti-inflammatories, and you'll be able to touch on this, taking lots of anti-inflammatories to stop the pain that is associated with inflammation might not be as optimal for recovering. But then if you're having, if you're like chronically inflamed, then you need to speak to your physio or your doctor about what is an appropriate amount to be taking. Um, and then nutritionally, things that will, might influence um, systemic inflammation would be like your, your fatty acids. So like your omega-3s um, are generally quite good at reducing inflammation and your omega-6s and your trans fats are synonymous with increasing inflammation. What does that mean? That basically means that don't go and start having an absolute boatload of omega-3s every day now because you're on the healthy boat. <laughs> but having some fish in your diet and omega-3s generally is a good idea. But also it means not to go like, not to sort of totally discard the health aspects of your diet. Because if you're having loads of like fried foods, McDonald's, etc., those trans fat, that's trans fatty acids, that's not going to be as beneficial and you're going to increase that systemic inflammation. Um, and then sort of the last thing I'll touch on is the idea that especially if you're an exerciser and most people watching this, it's so important that you're retaining, that you're retaining muscle and putting your body in the best place to be, if not even building muscle. And that's totally possible in the rest of your body, as well as the recovery phase for the area of your body, which is damaged. Now, so very, uh, very basically, okay, so total protein is an important thing to be getting in, in order to give your body the, the building blocks it needs in order to build muscle. Now, taking that a little bit further, we know that in a period of immobilization, we can be slightly more anabolic resistant. So it might be even more pertinent to increasing your protein intake during that phase and also paying more attention to the amount of times in which we can invoke muscle protein synthesis. So what does that mean practically? That means, okay, can we be having, instead of going, right, my goal is just to put a number on it, 100 grams of protein a day, Okay, actually, we want to break that down into as many feedings of 20 to 25 grams of protein in order to break that wind, that um, trap door, as it were, to switch on muscle protein synthesis as much as we can. Mm. The regular protein feedings is really key. In, like, from a training perspective, it doesn't mean we need to totally take the foot off the gas. We can be training the rest of the body. We want to be ensuring that we've got as much muscle mass for our health and for our insulin sensitivity as we can, if not for the recovery of that area. So training's good. Maybe we increase the volume on the rest of our body. That's really key. Um, and then often, I mean, often multivitamins are suggested. Uh, now, it de totally depends on the individual here. This is my last point. Um, if, you're having a if you generally take a multivitamin, great. Multivitamins, beyond taking someone who is deficient to an appropriate level, and I would argue you, you really don't know if you're deficient unless you've spoken to your doctor or unless you have very clear signs of deficiency and you should still speak to your doctor if you think that. <laughs> Beyond taking someone who is deficient up to an appropriate level, if you are efficient in your, in, your, in your nutrition and you're having a good balanced diet with an abundance of vegetables and nutrients, adding a multivitamin on top of that, for recovery at least, probably isn't going to have a massive benefit. Um, and you'd probably be better investing your pennies in if not a leucine supplement to help with that, um, that, that muscle protein synthesis induction or in literally fruit and veg. <laughs> I have lost the video. No, David. Hold on. You'll probably drop back in. There you are. Hello. Is there anything you want to add Maybe on inflammation? Um, yeah, let's go into inflammation quickly because you made some really nice points there. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not allowed to prescribe medications, but yeah, anti-inflammatories, your ibuprofens, et cetera. Acute, very acutely to an injury is the only time I really recommend them. So when I say acutely, has my video gone? Probably. We can still see you. keep talking anyway? Yeah. Mm. We can still hear you at least. Hello, Mr. Are you there, Mr. David? Whoa, hello. <laughs> Where were we? Acutely anti-inflammed. Okay. So, as you said, that inflammatory response to an acute injury, so what I mean by that is you've just fallen over and twisted your knee. That's an acute injury. The, the one thing that, and some people get offended by the term acute versus chronic. Somebody who's suffering from 
long-standing knee arthritis, that's a chronic injury. There's no kind of acute traumatic, basically unpredictable event that's happened. So, so with, with your, let's put it in sport, with your footballers, they've just had a slide tackle come in. That's when we say, okay, early doors, first 72 hours, we want to get the, the initial inflammation down because otherwise there's just so much swelling and so much pain that it's unbearable. So that's when you kind of go for your resting, your icing, compression, elevating it, Ooh. and some anti-inflammatories in. But yeah, the long-term use of anti-inflammatory medication isn't really recommended, um, especially then in those kind of chronic injuries if somebody's getting pain because of something long-term, you know, chronic lower back pain, knee arthritis, any, any form of arthritis really, that inflammatory response isn't, doesn't, you know, an anti-inflammatory is not going to necessarily dampen down that pain and we don't want to become reliant on using those, those supplements to get over the pain. Can chronic use of, uh, or a long-term use of anti-inflammatories affect the rate of recovery? Um, there has been studies, I'm not going to claim to know probably loads and loads about it, but I think there has been studies to show that it will dampen down recovery because in acute injuries especially, you do want inflammation because that's a sign that the body's remodeling and recovering. Okay. So we're, um, getting, we're getting blood flow and we're getting all the things that, that are going to heal the injury. Okay, brilliant. Um, so one question we had in, David, thank you, is tips for shin splints, please. Okay. I've had a few of these recently, actually. Hi, uh, Gary. Hi, Dan. Hi, everyone watching. Thank you. My housemate's one of them. So shin splints, main tip is, unfortunately, offload from that event for a little while. Okay. So it normally comes from, yes, it normally comes from running and you're going to get shin splints. If you keep thinking, oh, it's fine. I get the shin splints. I stop and then it's all right and go back to running. You will tend to just keep getting shin splints okay. and be stuck in a, a cycle. So a, a few, a few quick tips. We want to go run on grass. Don't run on too much concrete. We want to go slowly build it up. Okay, I've done a video on keeping a running diary and slowly increasing that, that, that load. Make sure you check your trainers because it's all about the impact that's being taken through your leg. If your leg's taking lots of repetitive, repetitive, so, so the shin splint is an overuse repetitive injury in, in, the, in the bone in your lower leg. Okay, so things that we can do to try and negate that are running on softer surfaces. Might be hard if you've got a lot of concrete around. Checking your footwear, trying to get, more offloaded into the foot itself and then something i talk about quite a lot as well is we need to look at your running you do need to look at your running pattern are you so are you just it tends to happen when people are quite flat-footed and getting that impact rather than taking you know hitting with the heel rolling through and coming up with the toes and also a big big one is ankle mobility so are you stretching your calves a lot is there is there some kind of tightness there that suddenly is making your foot quite stiff. It can be that that's just your, your movement pattern and you are, you're going to have to retrain that and it might not be because of muscle tightness, but it also, I'd, I'd always look at trying to get yourself stretched off. Okay. But, but the main tip is offload from the event and slowly build back up. Okay. So see if you can do 1K pain free, no shin splints. That's enough for today. Chill out, go home. Okay carry on with all your ankle mobility stuff make sure you've got thick trainers on make sure you're running on soft surfaces then can you do one and a half k yes lovely doors okay and eventually you might you might get to a point okay you suddenly do 3k and that's when the pain comes on and you just need to then strip back off that and see how much you can gradually load up to get in past that does that does that make sense it does if someone's watching and they're going but david like every time i go running now and they want to run twice a week and they're getting shin splints every time, would there be a mm -hmm. point where you go, look, you need to take this period of time off running to allow that to recover and then dip back into your ones, two Ks? Mm. So uh, again, yeah, I would, look at, I would look at a pain scale and say, what is that out of 10? If it's anything above a five or a six out of 10, with 10 being you need to call me an ambulance, zero being nothing at all, that's when you probably take at least two weeks out which okay. people hate, hate to hear. Oh, he's gone there. <laughs> they, they hate to hear it. But 
in the in the long run do you want to get over this problem and there are alternative activities that are less impact it's just about that repetitive load that's going through your shin the jump on a bike i hate i hate cycling uh, <laughs> keep, keep your cardiovascular system going get yoga get some upper body resistance stuff things we've talked about earlier you can still smash your your cardiovascular system without running okay offload those shins and you'll get back to it eventually we're talking about a few of the tips that's brilliant um but yeah people if people have anything like that message me and i've got i've got a, a facebook page started as well and you can give me a bit more details on exactly when it's coming and where it's coming and looking at kind of slowly progressing your road load load of running that kind of thing thank you that's really you. david if you can um drop your facebook page or your contact into the comments of this after and then i'll put them in the um the the information when we upload this mm -hmm. as the podcast mm -hmm. as well. So what, um, and then we've, we've touched on lots of things, which has been fantastic. Now, if you, to think about your exerciser, who might be exercising regularly um, in a general environment where we're not in self-isolation, these people that, let's say in our ideal world, the gyms open up in a month or two months time, mm -hmm. and they've been reducing their volume of exercise massively, mm -hmm. and they're gonna go back into, they want to go back into the routine of which they were used to before the gyms closed. What things should people be prepared for? Are there ways that they should manage their volume? And do they need to pay more attention to maintenance and self-care during that time? Yeah, so I think, I think basically what has happened with COVID is people are doing loads of body weight stuff because it is pretty much the only option a lot of people have. And where people are gonna struggle is starting to add resistance back into their back into their program so what we probably need to look at early doors back into the gym and you can keep this going during covid is making sure your movement patterns are good okay okay so so making sure you still can do a squat under load there are there are still methods of finding a little bit of load putting some some weight on your back in a rucksack that kind of thing um but people are going to and I mean, it is also something that's causing a lot of injuries is people are jumping around in their living rooms doing thousands and thousands and thousands of reps. Start cutting those things down a little bit more. And if you start adding resistance back into your workout, you're going to get the same stimulus. You're going to be tired, but with doing less, less reps. Brilliant. But the first thing people I would always advise to get do when they start going back into the gym to negate these injuries, can they do the do a movement pattern so let's say a, a squat an overhead press a chest press whatever it is not let the ego take over and try and throw on the same amount of weight that they were putting on the bars before right get your movement pattern right film it get somebody to watch it okay Be, and and start slowly with your addition of reps and sets Brilliant. because otherwise if you know if you're doing a squat and you're you've got some odd pattern you, you're going into kind of hyperextension in, in your back or something like that, then you're going to suddenly be in a lot of pain when you, when you jump back in. Okay, so focus on movement patterns, slow things down, stop jumping so much, and <laughs> slow movement patterns and have a, have a look at the quality of movement rather than the pure quantity of it as well. Thank you. There's a psychological um, element there too. The idea that potentially if you go back in and you have this expectation of being able to do... Mm the same loads and the same volume as you were doing before. If you go straight back in and then you're not able to meet that, it can be quite demoralizing. Massively, mate, massively. Armed with the knowledge that you're dispensing now, going, look, it's okay and acceptable and natural for you to go back in and, and maybe not do the amount of volume or you're going to suffer from recovery perspective if you try and go in. Mm. Let your objective be do, I don't know, 60, 70% of the volume or 80% that you were doing before and tick that box very easily. And then over mm. the week, work yourself back up to where you were five yeah. weeks time you're injury free and smiling and that's way better than exactly. injuring yourself and being out for another 12 <laughs> exactly ex exactly mate that is that is such a good point um and i'm i'm the worst person at not listening to my own advice sometimes like i have all this i'm armed with all this knowledge um a couple of years ago i dislocated my shoulder and i knew exactly how to rehab it i was getting paid to rehab people's shoulders 
but then my own brain goes, "Oh, I'll probably be fine to. <laughs> I can just, I can just hit a, a punch bag. It'll be fine." Uh, and I, I, if somebody came to me and said that, I'd be like, "Stop being an idiot." Of course, you shouldn't be doing that. So, yeah, don't let. It's the biggest advice. I think that's a great point. Don't let the ego get in the way. Chill out. If you go 60-70%, it won't be long until you get back. Okay, because I think my favorite study is actually if we look at strength, the first three, four weeks of I'm sure as a personal trainer you see people jump into the gym and they get strong really quickly. And that's because they're of their kind of neuro adaptations, their body becomes more effective at lifting weight again. Okay, and that and that can be super quick. It's not actually about in those first four weeks, they suddenly get huge. They don't suddenly hypertrophy and get huge muscles, yeah. but they get more efficient at turning the right muscles on to lift the weight. And that's a, that's a neural kind of a mind-body connection. Okay? When you haven't been lifting any weights in this time, going back to the gym and doing those things, it won't take long for your body and mind to start connecting and joining the dots again. Wicked. But if you, if you ignore that and jump in at a million miles an hour again, your movement patterns are going to be all shot and you're going to suddenly be in a lot of pain. And then and it's fine for me because I'll be making a lot of money off you. But um... <laughs> <laughs> That's a really great, um, that's a really good takeaway. Like make sure over this time that your movement patterns are still there. And like mm. your squat patterns, that your mobility is, I mean, if not, the other thing I would probably add to what you said is if you have gone away and you started doing yoga every day and you go back into squat, your body might not be used to not only doing that it's been off that volume and that loading, mm. It's not used to squatting at that bottom 10 degrees depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah. that load. So it's really important if you've improved your mobility to, to especially then be super mindful about the loads you're using. Mm. And, 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 and on that point is always look for mobility in a lift. When you're adding resistance, always look for getting good mobility before loading it up further. If you let your kind of, again, I'll use the word ego, you let that get in a way and you think, Oh, this 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 movement's not perfect, but I can shove another ten kilo, kilograms on it. You're only setting yourself up for failure rather than getting it correct. Get your body moving well before adding loads to anything. Yeah, man, okay? absolutely. Because otherwise, you are going to be you're going to be injured, and it's it's such a simple takeaway message, but it's what a lot of people, including myself, get wrong because we let kind of this take over. And I've got to be making progress. I've got to be making progress. There are different facets of progress. Yes. Yeah, you might not be making loading progress. You might not be getting more weight on a, on a certain lift or a certain exercise, but your movement might be better. And that's the, that's the thing that people overlook because it's not tangible. It's not, you can't write it down. Oh, yeah, good workout because I did 10 reps and it was better form. That's, that's subjective. Yeah, man. But it is, still, it is still something that's super important. That definition of progress is key. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the last question I wanted to ask you, David, and I'll just, I'll just open it up to anyone watching. If you have, um, I'm going to go quickly check back through my messages before. But um, if you have any questions, please drop them in now. Um, but the last question I wanted to ask you, David, is if someone thinks that they've come on with an injury now, so the doctor's surgeries aren't open massively uh, to anyone. I know you still can mm -hmm. go, but it's not as easy. Um, mm -hmm. As you said, physios have all been repurposed. If someone's like, dude, today I think I, I've, I've got this injury and it's not warranting A&E, or mm -hmm. how would they first know if they should be going to accident emergency? What, where would you advise people to look to? And if it's actually just uh, sort of like a re-emergence of a long-term injury, is there anyone they can speak to, perhaps it's yourself, or to go to during these times where it's not as easy to access people like yourself? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So... There's not a lot of injuries that do need emergency care unless it's a really traumatic and people aren't going to be doing these at the moment, the kind of fractured legs because someone's done a slide tackle, ACL, you know, really big ligament tears and things like that. Try and think first, is this injury explainable? Okay. And that's my thing. If If you can see no kind of cause for your injury that might be something to worry about because because we can get to the bottom of of the other things later on after covid but if you're suddenly getting quite an intense pain again i would always say over five or six out of ten and it's unexplained 
you know, you're and you're getting systemic unwellness with it. Always go to a doctor. So when when I say systemic unwellness, night sweats, um, unexplained weight loss, things that are just abnormal along with pain, they're the things. If you if if somebody came into me, there's certain questions I always ask in a in quite a long history taking, and people kind of go, oh, why are you asking these? I, I you know I want to talk about this injury, but I need to kind of make sure I'm kind of screening for everything that I find to think is an emergency. You know, is it is it something that could be a tumor or something that I'm not qualified okay. to treat, but I'm qualified to say this is without this isn't in my remit. You need to go to a hospital. So okay, systemic cool. unwellness or things where pain radiates quite a lot. So if you've got back pain, people are going to get back pain at the moment. I could talk for hours about different posture and not having a perfect posture and stuff. Back pain is going to happen because you're sitting down for a long period. If it's a back pain that then feels like it's radiating down both legs, you're having any trouble. And it, it's the personal questions, the, the bladder and bowel changes and things that are completely abnormal. Okay. Even during COVID, get yourself to see somebody because they, they can be masquerading as something really super important. But otherwise, take time off. If you can identify, you know, okay, I've got knee pain and it keeps coming on when I'm running. You probably, you, you shouldn't be rushing to your GP right now in self-isolation or to a physio because just offload from that activity and see if that pain goes away. I know you want to get back to running and we, somebody can help you, you know, drop me a question. That's where I come in. You know, if, if you've got, if you've got an injury that's related to some kind of activity change, fantastic. Yeah. Physios can really smash that. Awesome. That's, I think that's, that's probably the pinnacle of my advice. Okay, cool. Thank you. That's super, super useful. And um, we haven't had any more questions, David. Is there anything that you wanted to... Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We have Here had... we are. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. I hope you're well, my friend. Um, tips for elbow issues from overdoing pull-ups. Mm. Again, that, that's, quite, that's quite a broad question because, I've, again, with, with a physio, I'm, there's, there's probably 101 different things it, it could be. And I would need to look if that's related to weakness somewhere, okay. joint tightness somewhere, or instability. That's basically an all injury can be. Um, again, it depends whether is that on one side or, or both sides. So my top tip, again, is if you're getting an injury that's on both sides, it's probably something global, something postural that you need to think about. If it's on one side, it might just be to do with the overuse of one side and we just need to try and find out what the root of it is is but think about a lot with with elbow pain it often masquerades because of, of wrist weakness that would be oh wow okay. the first thing i would go to okay it can actually be to do with the grip and the muscles again actually a video i did was kind of related to tennis elbow which is on the muscles kind of here which when you kind of bring your wrist up like that that's the muscle that's moving. It's not related to the biceps and triceps, the, the main movers of your elbow. So actually, we can be thinking of overuse in the wrist and forearm. So are there things you can do if you're somebody who's getting elbow pain with pull-ups? It, it, I'm not saying it's definitely the reason because there could be other things it could right. be. But have you looked at wrist strength? Okay. Have you looked at maybe taking a weight and just going through the range of movement um, of, of your wrist and getting that nice and strong because these tendons could be overused and inflamed while doing a pull-up if that wrist if you're struggling to actually keep that neutral wrist position if so, there yeah. is inflammation around the elbow so if, if you talk if you take tennis mm. elbow for example can people do um and would you recommend on an individual level appreciate we're talking generally now um mm -hmm. using like trigger point balls or, or like self-massage to help uh release the tension in those areas oh oh you might you might set me off here on a, on a tangent but those things can help trigger pointing into those areas and stuff with pain are going to potentially help a little bit but it's the same as massage in that it might get to the it might speed up the recovery of that initial injury but it's still not going to get to the root of your problems. If, you're, if your elbow pain is coming because your wrists are too weak, yeah, trigger pointing your elbow might, might quickly help, but it's not going to get to 
the bottom of why that injury is happening. Does that if make it, sense? If it's in conjunction, if it's pain-free or at least mm. relieving pain and it's done in mm. conjunction with uh, approaching the root of that causal problem, which you'd really need to see someone to ascertain. Yeah, of course. It can yeah. be a useful thing to use. Yeah, definitely, because it, it, can, it, can, it can cause kind of drainage and some fascia release, but the evidence is, is a bit conflicting on that. So see if it works for you. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Yes, David, thank you. Um, mm, I have it. Okay, so there's nice. definitely no more questions on there. I'll just quickly check. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for your comments. Wicked. No, that's it. Um, David, thank you so, so much. One more time. Is there anything you wanted to add? No way have you frozen. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, hello. Is there anything you wanted to add? Um, with any of the personal questions, do drop me a message because I think I have, just because the nature of this, it causes me to be quite vague. Um, because obviously it's not that to and from question asking. So please do drop me a message and I will we'll talk you through a little bit more specifically because I don't think I can be that helpful. But let's look, let's look generally, look after yourselves right now. Posture-wise, get yourself moving. There is no perfect posture. Get moving because the body just hates prolonged postures, okay? So the idea of standing desks, seated desks, mix it all up. Make sure that you're not sitting at your desk working from home for eight hours on the trot because you're going to end up with some kind of pain. The body doesn't like it. Build everything up slowly um, using kind of logs and, and, and really trying to investigate reasons for what might be causing your pain right now. Um, but, yeah, I think I've enjoyed that. Thank it's you. Nice to, it's nice to chat things through, mate. Mate, be, honestly, absolutely fascinating. Everything you're saying is, is really interesting. Some of the points mm -hmm. there are totally educating me on as well. Um, there, actually, there's one more question, which you sort of answered, but if there is anything else to add to it, we take ourselves out of the current environment we're in. Uh, and mm -hmm. so our physios are very accessible, etc. cetera. Um, when is the right time to seek help if you think you're injured? Um, I'm working Again. on the theory. Sorry. So when's the time, right time to seek help uh, if you're injured? Uh, I try and see my physio monthly. Uh, and if nothing is hurting, that's great. And I have a really good sports massage. I'm working on the theory that in an ideal world, prevention is better than cure. Yeah, I mean, perfect. Yeah, prevention is massively better than cure. When, as I said, we, as a physio, we're not going to do a lot to speed up the, the healing process. That's impossible. That's your body. I almost just say, let's leave it alone. We're going we're gonna to find the root of your problem. Um, look for areas of when you're doing your yoga and, your, and your, any, any strength exercises, look for where your body struggles. That's the thing for prehab. That's the thing you need to work on. So with the academy lads at the football club, we do pre-season screening to go, Let's look at your muscle length here, 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 and here. Let's look at your endurance here, 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 and here. Anything we can do to prevent you getting an injury in the future. Okay, there are things that we're not going to be able to explain. There are going to be things that come out of nowhere, traumatic injuries, slide tackles. But if you're in a tight in a certain area or you're weak in a certain area, start addressing that before you get any pain there. Okay. If you if you get pain somewhere and you get over it through work with a physio, don't think the work has stopped. You don't need to keep seeing the physio because a good physio should teach you the principles of how to keep progressing. But don't go, okay, I had this knee pain or I had my shin splint and I got over it and I worked a little bit at ankle mobility and now it doesn't seem to be a problem. Keep it in the back of your mind and still think that I need to look after this problem, okay? Because otherwise it's likely to reoccur. In terms of knowing when, is the right time again if it's flying up it's an acute injury that's flown up about above a six out of ten i'd always ask for advice i'd always go and see okay, somebody cool. um in normal life it, go back to what we talked about earlier in this weird scenario probably not the time um if it's something that keeps reoccurring it's all about getting to the root of it but don't panic don't panic with injuries either okay Sometimes we get pain and it is completely unexplained, but it, it dies down after a few days. Cool.
Thank you, David. Not that sure, is amazing. Man. Thank you so much, mate. You've been a massive help. Um, as I said at the beginning, you've not only helped everyone watching, and I thank everyone for watching as well. Really grateful for that. But everyone who watches this afterwards and listens to the podcast when it goes live, uh, it'll be really useful. So if you want to um, catch up with what David's doing, he's going to put a note in the comment section. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, if you look at the, uh, the bio, we'll put a link to uh, where you can find David and you can reach out to him. He's very generously said, if you've got any questions relating to your um, physi physiology ailments, please contact him. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Again, this group is for exactly this. We're going to try and work on helping manage all of the challenges um, <clears throat> that themselves in isolation, even the things uh, that we have to manage generally, for example, things like injuries. So if you need help on anything, then absolutely reach out, use the group. Um, if there's anything you'd like us to talk about or bring a professional in, like we've had David today, then please let us know as well. And if you have any questions on anything we've spoken about today, please reach out to us. Uh, you can contact myself or David just by going through the Pick It Up, Put It Down page, or you can uh, contact us directly on private message. Um, and we'll also be happy to refer you on um, if it is beyond our scope of practice. But thank you again for listening. David, thank you so much. Please That's stay right, fine. I'm going to stop this live. And guys, you're amazing. Stay strong. We'll be back Thursday with a very, very interesting special talk from you, for you. Uh, but I'll keep that secret for now. We'll release that tomorrow. Anyway, thank you, team. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. That's right, mate. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Pow. <laughs> Team, thank you so much for tuning in. It really does make a difference. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a review. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone for listening, thank you so much for making it worthwhile and being the purpose behind this. And if you need help, you know you can reach out. And if you have time to help, then please do make yourself available and be the wondrous humans that you are and set that example. Otherwise, look after yourselves and yours. My name's Louis. Pow.